in the reading that Brian and Stacy just led us through, you may have noticed um, that it begins with, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. In those days. And then in verse 11, it kind of pivots, and it's almost like a page turn on the calendar, because there it says, for unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Those days and this day, and it's a real transitional moment, and it's a reminder to us that the birth of Christ is a real life-changing event. Now, we can kind of say in a fun way, well, I remember when, back in the day, um, but most of us, a lot of us anyway, have a story that kind of begins with, you know, back in the day, before Jesus in my life, and that might not be something we'd want to raise our hands and talk about as much, <laughs> um, but by his grace, th there's just been this new life that we've experienced as a result of that, and we can say, and this day, we can talk about that, and so it, it's, it's interesting to me, just I want to make just a couple of brief points before we wrap up, but um, in, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. A decree. In other words, there was this mandate that went out. In those days, there was a have to or else. But after it talks about, but unto you is born this day, Shortly after that, the angels appear before the shepherds and they describe this gloriously mysterious and wonder-filled event of the birth of the Messiah that they were waiting for. And their response is, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this one. And so in, in those days, there was a have to, but in this day, there's a get to. There's something about this new way of living, this good life that we are invited into, that we have because of Christ, that becomes a get-to. Now, maybe, maybe your story is one that um, when you think of religion, you think of have-tos. You have to do this, um, don't do that, and, and the, kind of the obligations. But really, what, what God offers us is a life of get-to. And at the root of that is love. Because of love, we get to experience this new life. Um, I have very vivid memories of Christmas uh, 2001. Uh, Beth and I had been married for a little over a year, and we just found out at, right at Christmas time that she was about six weeks, eight weeks along, something like that, with our, with our first we didn't know it was going to be Jack at the time. We just knew we, we had someone on the way. And, um, and so here we are, just as we find out, it's right before Christmas. We're so excited. And uh, Beth wanted to go to Port Charlotte, to, uh, Florida, to spend some time with her grandparents over that Christmas break. I still had some work to do, and her grandparents were really excited to have her down, especially once they heard the news. And, and so here we're so excited, and I remember the feeling I had of taking her to the airport and her and my soon-to-be son or daughter, I didn't know at the time, 
um, and I'm sending them off. And it was, it kind of, it was, it, those two weeks were two really long weeks for me. I don't know if that makes sense to some of you, but it was just like, oh man, I just, I ached at the thought of, of them being apart uh, from me. And so uh, when Beth flew back with, uh, with Jack, um, I handed her a typewritten note, and it was a letter written from the standpoint of, of our baby that she was carrying. And uh, so it, and it's, it's, it's in particular what, what I felt like our baby was probably thinking while um, he and I were apart. So I'm going to read a portion of that letter, and I'm just telling you right now, this is very cheesy, okay? Very cheesy, but we embrace the cheese, okay? We embrace the cheese. So this is the note. Um, my son doesn't even remember writing this, uh, but this is the note that he wrote. Dear Mom, I want to take the time to write to you and share with you how I'm feeling and what's been going through my mind these first few weeks of my life here in your womb. Florida was nice. It was the first of no telling how many trips to the beach and visits with the great-grandparents. I overheard you telling Dad that you were looking forward to warmer weather down there. To be honest with you, I couldn't tell a difference. Get it? He's, yeah, okay. All right. Um, I think you should know that it takes me forever to type. <laughs> when you factor in that each of the keys on a laptop is twice the length of my entire body, you can imagine how long it takes for me to crawl from A to P on the keyboard. Please overlook any spelling or grammatical errors in this letter. The backspace key is just way too long of a trip at this point in my life. Uh, I do have one small complaint. Everything is small with me right now. Um, what's the deal with taking me away from my dad for so long? Do you realize that I've been separated from my biological father for one-third of my life? Do you have any idea what the sociological ramifications of not having a dad in my life could do to a little tyke? As a gift for the baby shower, ask for money to go towards couch time with a shrink. I'm sure I'll need it. <laughs> you know, i got to say, I feel much better just getting that off of my 0.25 millimeter chest. Thanks. <laughs> I'm tired from all this typing, love you. That was it. So, um, so I thought that was a lot of fun. I think Beth was just racked with guilt uh, as she read it. No. Um, you know, we, we celebrate the birth of a child, but I've wondered what is this like for the father who sent his son away? What was, what was that like for him to realize that they're not going to be together in the way that they were in the heavenly realms. And I got to thinking about that. Did, did God have to send his son? Was it a have to? Well, when I put Beth and Jack on that plane, I didn't have to do that, but I was glad to do it because it was a way of showing love to Beth's grandparents. And much the same way, except perfectly, God didn't have to, but he said, out of love for us, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send it. Send my son to you. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this was not a have to, this was a get to out of his love for us. And we are invited into this get-to life with him. Um, as, we, um, as we think about this get-to 
life. Um, what, if, what if this was the day that you began your get-to life? What if this was the day where you realized that God's grace is extended to you, his loving mercies? He is a God who loves to bring new things to you. His loving mercies are new every morning. We read this in Lamentations. In Revelation, God says, I am doing a new thing for you. And that can begin on this day when we receive this Christ child and we begin to see that he came out of love for us and we have this opportunity to live a a get-to kind of life. This is what we were created for, a get-to kind of life. Um, We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to sing Silent Night. In fact, if you want to make your way back up there, um, the... um, there's a, a little story behind Silent Night, and it was first performed in the evening uh, at a Christmas Eve service in 1818 in Austria. And so the, what was taking place leading up to it, um, the, the priest at that church was, was a little nervous because the, uh, some mice had incapacitated their organ. And so he was trying to figure out how he could get their lone instrument working again. And uh, it was getting closer to Christmas Eve, and it didn't look like it was going to work out. And he remembered this poem that he had written a few years back. And he contacted a friend of his with musical talent. They put this, uh, this poem of his, they set it to music. And that night on Christmas Eve in 1818 was the first time that Silent Night was sung. Now, how many of us really think that it was a silent night when Jesus was born? I don't think so. I've been around kids. They're not quiet. They're not. Um, that, is a, that can be a pretty loud event. We, uh, Beth and I love that we have um, friends across the street and we have neighbors kind of back off of our, uh, our backyard that both had babies earlier this year and with the windows open sometimes we're like which which baby is that that we hear you know because they're not silent you know um so i i kind of think about well is it was there really silence that night and then i think about the context of what was taking place um when the decree had gone out with roman rule there was a lot of commotion this was a pretty tense time the city was full. There were a lot of people there, all this commotion. But a silent night? Really? Um, how many of you remember what you were doing on August 23rd, 2002? How about March 3rd, 2005? Was that a, I bet that was a silent night for you, but it wasn't for Beth and myself when Jack was born and then Callie was born. So let's kind of rethink this silent. Um, Jesus' birth was silent compared to a royal birth of that time. With all of the fanfare, with all of the announcements, um, the night Jesus was born, it was just kind of another child being born to a poor young family. In those days... There was great fanfare for the royal births. Um, but Jesus came in that kind of, of silence, in that kind of, 
a way that um, maybe is, is unnoticed at first, but something great is happening. And that's another part that I want to share with us as we, as we um, are about to sing this song. What are the silent ways that maybe God has been working for your good that you don't even know about yet? You maybe don't remember a certain date. It was silent to you, but God has been working on your behalf because he has good things in store for you. This love that he has for you, this get-to life that he is offering you.